Hello, this is Kimberly Miner today, owner and founder of Holistic Living Health and Wellness, and I have my good friend Emma Zayden. Zayden, sorry about that, <laughs> Emma Zayden. If you saw it, well, you see on the screen how that's spelled. So it doesn't, it doesn't, the spelling doesn't look how it sounds. So, in my opinion, I've never. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we have her here today, and she is the owner of uh, Redefining PTSD. Uh, you know, I wanted to have Emma on here because I think this is a really, really important uh, subject that uh, does not get touched on. It's something that really uh, gets overlooked. Uh, people don't understand uh, that people who have either been in the service or they have been in some type of law enforcement or or just people in general that go through some horrific uh, experience that uh, this is something that is really, really real that people deal with. Uh, it is um, can have an effect on their entire life. It can have an effect on how productive they are. It can have an effect on their relationships. Um, it can just make it where this person can't function whatsoever. So uh, it's really, really important to try to get the word out there mm -hmm. to get people to understand that this is actually, you know, a real thing that people are dealing with. Uh, you know, it's we get so used to when we see somebody who um, is, you know, crippled or who has a broken arm, who has a broken leg, like we can sympathize because we can physically see it. And somehow uh, we have made this unconscious decision that if we cannot physically see something, that we assume that people are not broken, that they should be able to function with no problems whatsoever. And that is not the case whatsoever. There are so many uh, experiences that people come across that wind up having such a huge, huge uh, influence on them that once being a productive person to becoming completely unproductive, incapable of doing whatever they need to do for themselves. And so um, that's why that's why I want it was so important to me to have Emma here that that here on this podcast, um, making it known that uh, it is an important issue yes that it is real yes that we stand behind the fact that people do suffer from it and that we need to get the word out there so with that I want to uh, hand it over to my friend Emma so thank you so much for being here thank you for and why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, of like how it is that you got to the point where you felt like um, this was something you really felt, you know, passionate about that you really needed to start to to help people out with. Okay. Um, so, wow. I'll, I'll give the short story instead of the <laughs> long story because it is actually quite long. Um, just in brief, when I was a child, I. I don't know what happened to me. I just know that I have suppressed memories and they, I get little glimpses of images and I still really have no idea what those images even mean because it's nothing really, um, how do I say, it, it's, it's not vivid. 
it's just not vivid. I just know that I have suppressed memories that I wasn't able to handle and it actually almost possessed me, so to speak. Um, I always felt like I had harmed somebody or somebody had harmed me or both. And it was like this like crazy darkness that like followed me everywhere I went. And, um, so I began seeking counselors, uh, psychiatry, psychologists, etc. And everybody told me that I was normal and that I knew wasn't <laughs> the case. I was just like, how can you sit there and tell me that I'm normal when all I want to do is like scream all the time. And it was, it, I was afraid of it. Like it, it, it was scary. It was just really, really scary. So I continued seeking. I went through so many different, um, personal development type programs and whatnot. And they all seemed to help a little bit, but they never, it never felt like it addressed exactly what it was that I was going through. And, um, then I decided to go back to school and become a yoga instructor because I was having heart problems and I needed something that would be good for my heart. And uh, I, I was also a dance teacher in my past. So I figured that was kind of really congruent with what it is that I used to do, that what I used to love. Mm-hmm. And I got certified as a yoga instructor. And during that time, I was introduced to something that was called Yoga Nidra. And I decided to get certified in that. And while I was going through my training, actually not while, when I got certified, like literally that day that I had gotten certified, I had realized that this darkness, this lurking was gone. Like it disappeared, like it literally disappeared. And I was just like, what is this? So then I decided to continue my education with that. And I got the advanced yoga nidra certification and and they really did touch upon PTSD and how it can help to reverse the PTSD symptoms in PTSD victims. And that's what it did for me. All of a sudden I felt lighter. I felt, um, nicer. (laughs) (laughs) I felt a lot more calm. All of a sudden I wasn't having anxiety attacks. I wasn't having episodes anymore. And it was just really miraculous for the first time I felt like this sense of peace and freedom like I wasn't shackled like I wasn't being possessed um and I I'm using that term loosely so please understand it's not like there was somebody telling something that was telling me to go kill people or anything like that no no I, I don't mean possessed in that manner I mean possessed as in like uh I didn't have the freedom to do the things that I wanted to do. I, and now having gone through that training, I felt a lot more just like I, I get to, I have a say now, like I literally feel like I was unshackled and I have the freedom to choose what it is that I want to do. And I no longer have that feeling like I want to scream or strangle people. (laughs) Right. You know, like every turn I'm like, ah, get out of my way. So <laughs> I'm, yeah, I was a very angry person and, and now I'm a lot more at peace with me and it's, it's really, really nice. And I still have no idea what those suppressed memories were about 
or why they were so controlling over me. And, and now I'm like, now I own it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Well, I'm and, trying to make sense of that. Yeah, this. well, and I think, uh, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that there is, um, there, there is a lot of people. I have, uh, you know, watched some documentaries. I have mm-hmm. talked with a bunch of different people that, um, that couldn't remember mm-hmm. in it, but there, there actually is a science behind that is yes. that, uh, your brain does not allow you to go there because mm-hmm. it's its way of protecting. Um, depending on the severity of you know what it is, that um, it protects the body, it protects the mind um, because it's the only way that it can function. Yes, um, by putting it in that protective zone. And when you talked about bits or pieces of you know. It can show up in dreams or Mm -hmm. you can have be in certain situations that will somehow, uh, you know, resonate some type of feeling or trigger a flashback or something. And you won't know exactly where it comes from. It's hard to make that connection. That's why um, PTSD is so such a difficult uh, thing to to try to understand that that's exactly what it is that you're suffering from. Yes. Um, when you have ruled out all the other things, then yes. <laughs> that's you know that's something. But I think it's something though now too that, especially that I think so much focus has been given on um, over the. It started, I would say, ten years ago. It started. Mm-hmm really being talked about but within the last five years Mm -hmm. is that the conversation is much more intense out there and it and it's our our men and women in service that Mm -hmm. actually has really brought that attention to light yes is because what they have experienced that um they've seen things that um we wouldn't want to even see in our worst nightmare yes so uh you know they we ask these people to go and take, defend us, and they go in these situations and stuff, and then we have this expectation that they're just going to come back into society and just be the regular person that they were before they left and experience that type of thing, and that they aren't going to have any sensitivities and stuff of which they had to rely on in those situations. Yes. Um, that's impractical. Impractical. There's, it doesn't... You know, if you really stop and think about it, um, I think that there isn't a person out there that wouldn't realize that the common sense would state that that's impractical for us to think that somebody come back in. But I think we get so caught up in all of our lives, day to day, day to day, and stuff that um, we don't take the time to think about that. Um, and when somebody comes back and if they're not in the service and they're in regular clothes, how do we know? Yeah. We don't know yeah. that they've been in the service. Or, you know, somebody has been through some horrific situation and we judge them on their actions. Yeah. You know, and so um, we don't give enough thought because we're not willing to take the time out of our schedule of what yeah. we've got going on. So what's interesting about this is uh, PTSD victims, and oddly enough, 
many people are PTSD victims and they don't know it. Um, typically, well, let me tell you a story real quick and then it'll kind of depict a lot more of what, I, what it is that I address and um, why I address it. So my father is a PTSD victim. He is a Vietnam vet. And when he came back, everybody, and I wasn't born yet, um, everybody had told me how different he was. Uh, he used to be happy and cheery, and then when he got back, he was quiet and reserved and fidgety and um, just not who he was when he left. And now granted, this is over 40 years ago. And when Vietnam vets returned back to the homeland, they, you know, it's not like today how we have the internet and cell phones and the social media that we have. Back then, they had no idea what was going on in the homeland here with uh, protesters and demonstrations and how the citizens really did not accept the war. They were just simply following orders um, in the war zones and whatnot. And when they came back, many of them were excited to get home because they weren't in a war zone. They wanted to come back to their families. And unfortunately, they were not welcome the way that we welcome our soldiers back today. They were, um, they would come back and people would spit on them and throw food at them and, and yell at them and uh, call them baby killers. And many of them were beaten to death. So it was very, very difficult for them to re-engage into civilian life because nobody accepted nobody accepted them. Uh, the war wasn't something was that was accepted by the citizens and they blamed a lot of the soldiers and it was it's unfortunate. And the soldiers when they were coming back, you know, they wanted so badly to re-engage with people, but people weren't engaging with them. They were being hated and uh, and that was very difficult. So many of them um, still alive today, suppress their feelings, they hide, they don't talk about the war at all. The rule in my house very, very early on when I was a child, my mom did tell me that my father served in the war, and she also said, we don't talk about it. You don't talk about it. And even to this day, uh, there was somebody that had, um, had found out that my father had served, and he said to him, thank you for your service. And my dad couldn't even say you're welcome. He just kind of made a really awkward face and said, he didn't say anything. He just kind of raised his eyebrows and like gritted. Yeah. And it was really, really difficult. Well, and yeah, I have family members, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that served too. You know, my ex-father-in-law served and I mean, the stories are horrific. Yeah. There was a movie done of the, his platoon um, on the big screen. You really? Know, you have what his platoon did and stuff. And so you couldn't even, like, if he fell asleep on a chair, you do not dare go and try to touch him. No. Um, no. But, uh, you know, and, and one of the biggest things that, that really makes me sad is um, being of our generation is that we get the opportunity to look and people were so busy protesting and stuff that they forgot the fact that these these men who went over boys. there, boys, were drafted. Yes. They didn't get a choice. Yes. They, none of them wanted to go over. They, you know, they, they didn't get a choice in it at all. They were told they were going over. So when you're told 
to go over, you go over and you, you know what, in order to be able to survive, you have to believe in something. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, how do you find the will to survive and get through what it is that you're going through without having some justification for what it is that you're doing? Why so you're coming back. Exactly. So I quite honestly, um, you know, I can you can protest all you want. But when those men came back, you needed to support them. Yeah, because they didn't get a choice in yeah. any of those things and stuff. And so we have men today that their life has forever been changed. The dynamics of their families, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, uh, as you know, maybe not right away, but as the years went on, there's been a lot of um, marriages that have broken apart yes. because of the fact that they've never dealt with the issues. And actually, some of them, the issues didn't start until after they came back and they felt that nobody nobody wanted to uh they they were looked down upon yes. and so it all of a sudden started bringing up some yes. things yes. um so you know there's many different aspects so i think that that's a great example to give yes. on the ptsd mm-hmm. um you know ptsd can be as simple too is that uh you can be in a horrific car accident yes, yes. and uh, your capability. I had an experience where my kids and I were in a car and we were dead stop in the street because four cars in front of us were making a left-hand turn. So we we're on a two, two lane street back home and this car behind me, the gentleman wasn't paying attention. And I, um, I guess he had like a kink in his neck or whatever. And he went to stretch it cause it like hurt or whatever. And when he came back, like I met eyes with him between the rearview mirror and he could not like he couldn't even stop and he hit he the back the of my car at like yeah. 50 miles an hour which it was only a 35 mile an hour wow. street and so he threw me into my into my you know into he like back to you know hit my car and then of course my car jarred forward and it hit into that car and then like progressed and stuff yeah. and I can tell you that even still today, when I get up to a traffic light and I see others coming up behind me, that I get unnerved because I don't believe in the fact that they have, they're in full control and they're going to stop like they should. We don't know. And, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it used to be. But it's, it still creeps up. Yeah. And we're talking years later. Mm-hmm. So he, there's another example of something that as um, simple as that, that mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have an effect on my whole life, but it does have an effect when I'm in the car. And it doesn't matter if I... Actually, it's worse when I'm in the passenger seat because I have, no, really con- have no control. I have no control. I have to depend on the person who's behind the wheel to have control that they would be able to find a way out of that situation. And, you know, when I was in an accident, I was on a two-lane street. So there was a ditch next to me. So I couldn't, there was nowhere to go there. I obviously couldn't go into traffic that was oncoming. So I was literally stuck in a spot where I had no choice but to endure that car hitting me. Um, So I don't like to be on two-lane 
<laughs> on two lane streets. I don't like being in the passenger seat. <laughs> I don't like being. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a great passenger. So I. I I like to be the driver most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Most people say, you know, do you want to drive or do you want me to drive? I'm like, oh, nope, I'll drive. Uh, yeah. You know, and it has nothing to do with that person whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It has to do with me because then I know yeah. that I'm in control of that. So mm-hmm. uh, it, those are real things. Yes, these that, are very real um, You know, another big one is, you know, abuse. Rape. That, I work with a lot of rape victims. Um and just to go back real quickly yes. um, with the Vietnam vets, yes. because they were unable to express themselves, they had suppressed everything for decades before anything uh, came to light about PTSD. Back then, it was called shell shock, and yes. they didn't necess- they didn't know anything about it. And then studies began to come out uh, at the various universities, um, brain scans of the brain of a person with PTSD. And what they had found was that the amygdala was larger with PTSD victims than they were with uh, people that had very little trauma. And everybody does have trauma to one extent or another. Now, um, because of that, there is very little real treatment that works. A lot of people have um, gone medicated and unfortunately that only dulls the pain it doesn't necessarily reverse the pain whereas what it is that I do actually helps to reshape the brain um, and overcome those PTSD symptoms so it's very interesting to me uh, even for myself like uh, I was in an accident I was hit by a van walking oh (laughs) I was walking, and I don't remember. I don't remember the van being close to me. I remember the the van being about fifty yards away, but that's the closest I remember. Now, if you think about it, when you go to into into a counselor, you're asked to recreate what had happened and recall the trauma. But if you can't recall it, and it's in that suppressed those are suppressed memories that you're not even able to talk about. How are you supposed to be able to address that with a counselor? Right. You know, so that's what's interesting what it is with what I do because I bring you down into that meditative state, into that uh, seventh level of consciousness. And, and that's what had happened while I was in my training for yoga nidra. Now, I don't like saying yoga because um, I love yoga. Don't get me wrong. I'm certified in it. I absolutely love it because of what it's done for me. Um, However, with PTSD victims, many of them are men. And when they hear the word yoga, they go running for the hills. (laughs) So I don't say yoga. Um, I just say I'm a guided meditation facilitator that specializes in trauma, which is essentially the same thing. It's just a different title for exactly the same thing that I do. So, um, so yeah, it's very interesting. And again, the experience that I had gone through, through the several hours of training, um, being down in that meditative state is what had 
I hate this word, rehabilitated me (laughs) and helped me to recover from the PTSD that I cannot remember. So, and the other cool thing about what it is that I do is I never ask anybody about what it is that had happened to them. So it's very non-invasive. You don't have to recall uh, the trauma that you had endured and, um, which is very helpful. Uh, it was helpful for me. How do you, how do you, again, how do you locate and uh, suppressed memories and work on something you can't remember or that your body is like unable to remember? And then the other thing on top of that is the memories aren't necessarily stored in your brain. They're also stored in your tissues, in your actual body tissue. So a lot of what I do has to do with um, releasing those blockages that are within the body with yoga. And I don't say yoga. I just say warm-up exercises because that way the, you know, <laughs> the men, they're not like, oh, yoga, Ugh, you know. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Happens a lot. I'm not doing any yogas for girls and you have to be flexible. It's okay, whatever. No, you don't have to be flexible to do what it is that it, I right. do. And and you got to experience I got to experience this. I can tell you it it is... Um, it is not some thing that you have to have been a you know a dancer or or some big athlete or no. <laughs> there's none of those things. It's actually uh, you know the probably things that like if you've ever had to go to physical therapy for anything whatsoever, and a lot of people at some point in time have had to go through physical therapy. It actually is kind of like that, you know, stretches that they would just have you do. And it's, it's just based on what your capability is. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, um, and it, 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 it's actually easier than physical therapy because yes. you just have them do what it is that they, what a person can do where in physical therapy, they push it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They keep pushing it and they're like, we're going to stretch more. And you're like, my, like whatever it is, whatever yeah. that body part yeah. is, you're like, yeah. no, it, it, it can't, but eventually it gets to where they want you to go but you're not asking for people to do that you know it's just getting your body to move you know in a a certain in a certain way there's certain exercises that she has you do and stuff or certain movements she has you do and there's a purpose behind that yes you know and those are there's, there's certain ones that she has you do and it's connected um to you know the different parts of your body and stuff and when you do those things it it gets those uh those juices going mm-hmm. that, you know, it makes that connection, that inner electrical connection in your body and stuff. Um, there's a, re- there's a, there's a rhyme and reason yes, there for is every single thing so. that you do. Um, I can tell you having gone through it, it is the most absolutely <laughs> relaxing. Um, my experience was, is I completely went to sleep. So, <laughs> you know, um, that's just how calming it is. Yes. I mean, it just, uh, you know, I I was um, you know anxious at the time and stuff, but she got me to the point of I was laying down and I it, I remember her making one comment and that was it. I was I was completely out. I'm good I, at what I do. <laughs> I know. The next thing I remember is like waking up like in the middle of the night, going oh oh like oh my god, you know, and, <laughs> and no one was there. So um, I will t- I can absolutely tell you that. Um, the experience that you have with this, 
uh, is one of no other is that you will um, you will have a calming experience. Mm-hmm. It does not matter what state that you're at. Uh, I can tell you I was, you know, going through something myself and stuff, and I was um, in a very, you know, that I was in a very high... Um, high alert. High alert, uh, very on edge. Reactive. Uh, reactive state. Mm-hmm. And she got me to the point of from that to completely being relaxed to the point of falling asleep with no issue whatsoever. So um, it is a gift yes. of what it is that you provided me, yes. what you provide your your other clients and stuff, is that uh, you know you have to find a way to bring your body down because if your body doesn't get the down that it needs and the relaxation that it needs and get the rest that it needs, it goes it goes, not only do you have issues in your life, but you have health issues yes. that you suffer from. You know, you can you can wind up, you know, having the stress get so great mm-hmm. that it can cause heart attacks. Stress is, people don't realize, is one of the top leaders of death. Yes. Because yes. It, it kills the insides because the insides can't function because it's like, Put, it's like taking your heart and just squeezing it mm-hmm. and expecting your heart to still function the same way that it's supposed to. It can't if it's being squeezed to death because stress, I'm sure you've all had moments of something that's gone in your life and you get that feeling inside mm-hmm. where it's tight, um, where you feel like you can't breathe mm-hmm. and uh, you can't you're anxious you can't focus um these are some of the classic signs yes is that yes. you know you can't focus you have tightness you feel anxious social you, anxiety social anxiety yeah. you want to withdraw or you, the complete opposite which is pretty put on a pretty happy face and yes look like you're totally functional yes. so and and it's interesting ptsd victims have a tendency of hiding So they don't talk about it. Um, Rape victims don't like to talk about it. Uh, People that go to war, a lot of times they don't like to talk about it. And in, like I said, a lot of cases they can't because they don't remember. And um, so there was a a study done. I'm glad that you brought up the issue of health. There was a study done in the early 2000s in San Diego by Kaiser Permanente. And his name escapes me Dang it, I hate it when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Stage fright. Um, So, but there was this study done that a doctor from Kaiser Permanente did, and it's called the ACEs, ACEs study, A-C-E-S, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. And it was a survey of 10 different questions, and I pull it up on my phone, but I didn't prepare that, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) And what they had... um, what they had discovered in that study is that people that have experienced certain experience, uh, certain childhood experiences, um, if they had a score of four or more, and this was on a, a 10 question survey, that they had a higher risk of having adult ailments. It's a very interesting study. And this does also have to do with PTSD as well. So I know for myself, 
what I could recall, I had scored a seven, which is pretty high. So on the questionnaire, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a 10 question survey and it's just yes, no questions. And it didn't necessarily matter if an incident occurred once or several times over. If it was a yes, it was a yes. If it was a no, it was a no. It's kind of like, um, you know, you can only, you're either pregnant or you're not. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, there is no in between. <laughs> there is no in between. <laughs> so either you experienced it or you didn't, yes or a no. And for every yes, it counted as one one point. And if you scored four or more, then your chances of having adult ailments was higher. Wow. So um, it, it's a very interesting study. I highly recommend looking into that. Um, I should have brought it with me, and I apologize that I didn't. Uh, I do carry it with me when I go to see my clients. I didn't with you because it was kind of an emergency situation. Yes. Um, and not necessarily emergency, but um, I was just in speaking with you, I was just like, I need to come over. Let, let, <laughs> let's do a healing session. Right. And you're like, okay, yes, let's do that. Yes. And I'm like, and, and I'm like that with my clients. I'm and like everybody needs someone like clients. this in their life. <laughs> <laughs> call me. <laughs> it's okay. You can call me. All of my clients are on my emergency by bypass. So if my phone does ring, just to let you know, I might have to step away. But yes, I have all of my clients on my emergency bypass so that they have immediate access to me if they're going through a, a traumatic event. Um, and I do actually have a client that calls me pretty frequently at 4 a.m. And, <laughs> and she's just like, I don't want to wake you. I'm like, don't text me. You need to call. Otherwise, it's just not going to show up. Right. My phone won't ring. And what I had done for her, and I created this as a service actually, is I created a personalized meditation for her so that she could, um, and it's an audio file, it's downloadable. So she was able to download it, upload it to her phone, and now she carries it on her phone everywhere she goes. And she's actually told me that just knowing that she has that on her phone makes her feel much more calm and safe. So whenever, like, um, so she was camping at the time, and she wasn't able to access me by her phone because she was out of range, but because she had uh, uploaded that audio file to her phone, she was able to calm herself. And she she's called me on several occasions after an episode. She's just like, I just used your audio. Thank you so much. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. And uh, so this is a service that I offer. And, um, and I would love to say that it's on my website. It's not yet. <laughs> it, will it will be, be. soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, I'm still in the process of creating the website. Everything is, you know, coming soon and just stay updated. <laughs> just like anybody who has a business yes. is that your website is ever evolving. Yes. So it's when a you add thing. yeah, when you have new things that you bring to your to your business and stuff, you mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of time to yes. to get that up and yes. going and stuff. So, yes. but you know, I think that it's important that um, you having that particular service because people like to feel like they're empowered um, mm -hmm. themselves. And that's one of the biggest things that at Holistic Living Health and Wellness is that, you know, our mission is, is to empower you and others to 
have the resources that you need to help take care of yourself. Yes. You know, some of us, um, you know, f- for whatever reason, um, feel sometimes uncomfortable, especially in the beginning, to go to someone. But if there is a resource that they can do within their home, they are more open to it because it, they're able to keep it private. Right. They don't feel like they're, they're, you know, it's exposed and they can deal with it themselves and they have a starting point yes. for where it is that they need to, to start work on and where they need to, to work on and, and grow. So uh, having that service, especially for somebody who suffers from PTSD, is extremely important. Yes. Um, you know, some people, uh, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they can't go to counseling. Maybe they don't have the health insurance to pay to go to counseling and stuff. But something like this, it makes it affordable yes. for them to do it. And then be able to have something with them that they can use um, that makes it where they can be in control yes. of their life. And that's that's really important. Um, because uh, they have statistically shown that um, people who suffer from PTSD, um, the bigger percentage is is that people don't look for help. No, they don't. They don't talk about it. They act like it didn't happen. Um, They sweep it under the rug, and um, they think that they can just kind of get on with their life. And they may actually, you know, participate in their life, but as time goes on, if they have not found a way to deal with it, uh, it starts to have effects on it. And it can start out small, and it can grow. Um, There's a lot of people who suffer from PTSD that there's a high percentage of those who have alcohol and drug addiction that um, the, the... the key to it is the PTSD. Yes. Is that they've suffered from some horrific thing, whether they were in service or some horrific experience that has created that um, that they can't deal with things in their life. And so by, you know, drinking or drugs, uh, it takes that pain away. It helps that they're fr- yeah, I don't want to say it helps, but it, it numbs. It numbs the so. pain of not dealing with reality mm-hmm. is what I would think mm-hmm. would probably be a great way to kind of put it is that they don't do yeah. they They can um, act like everything's okay and what they're doing is actually, um, you know, it, it, there's kind of analysis is that... Um, if you like, you know, put a, a frog in water and you slow, slowly boil it, it doesn't understand. Yeah. And that's what happens when you start using things like alcohol or drugs to to deal with issues that need to be dealt with. Is that it? It just takes. Yes. Yeah, you, and you're right. You don't have to wind up doing alcohol or drugs, but if you just ignore it and don't do anything about it, um, you, in some way, shape, or form, you will pay the price in health. Yes. Um, and it could be as simple as, do you find yourself getting sick on a regular basis? Yes, yes. It doesn't have to be a health crisis. Mm-hmm. You can wind up being, your immune system becomes so... Um, 
impacted by mm-hmm. that stress that you're that you're carrying within you that um, you are susceptible to everything that's going around, whether it be flu season or, you know, if you deal with sinus issues, um, you can wind up getting sick just because your body can't fight off the yes. normal stuff that it should be able to. It does manifest. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a big, huge part of, of what the ACEs study was depicting was despite the fact that no matter how large or small that traumatic experience was, it's kind of like a sliver in your brain that just stays there. And if you don't, if you don't remove that sliver, then it will manifest into something, um, whether it's disease or some sort of debilitating something or even addiction. In fact, uh, there is a video that I had posted on my Facebook page about the links from PTSD to addiction. And I myself, I didn't necessarily, I'm not going to say that I experienced addiction, but I definitely did um, experiment quite a bit in my 20s with various different substances. And yes, for a long time, that was my way of coping. And once, and, and I, again, I didn't even know that I was a PTSD victim. I didn't even know until I started going to school, until I started doing more research, did I realize that, yes, there is there are things in my past that had manifested in my behaviors and in a lot of different ways. And, um <laughs> Yeah, I I admit a lot of things on my website, like I did suffer from being institutionalized several times over. I did, uh, I was somebody that was very violent and I got arrested a couple times. I was telling you that story a little bit earlier today. So um, I did, there, yeah, I have a really dark, shady past, but I do know that now um, that I have addressed it, and I want this piece for other people as well. So just so that you know, redefining PTSD, there is a cer- there's a very, very specific reason why I titled my company the way that I did. And that's because I redefine PTSD as peace, tranquility, and serenity daily. That's what peace, that's what uh, PTSD stands for, for me. It does not, it no longer is defined for me as post-traumatic stress disorder. And the interesting thing is, is a lot of people believe that it's a disorder and that's not necessarily true. What we found in studies is that it is not a disorder. It is actually a brain injury. And there are just like, you know, if you get a cut or a scrape, if you don't address that, then eventually it will become infected. And that's what they have found with PTSD victims is if they don't address it, it's not that it becomes infected, but it does manifest into things like we were talking about health issues and whatnot in your uh, later years. So by addressing it, even though you don't know how, um, like I said, if you, if you do have suppressed memories, there are still ways of addressing it. I did. And that's why it's like, I can't begin to tell you, like for me to be able to sit here and be like, I'm comfortable in my own skin is 
miraculous. It really, really, really is. Yeah, I was um, suicidal for several years. For two decades, I was suicidal. Mm. Two decades. And, like, so I empathize with people that have ever had... Oh, gosh, I'm going to get emotional. I empathize with people that have ever had mm-hmm. any of these um, symptoms if you will, uh, or suicidal thoughts or addiction. Like I really, really sympathize and empathize with people that have this in within them. And that's why I believe so, so much in what it is that I do because of the changes that I've seen within myself. And I know it works. Like I really, really, really it's not that I believe it, it's that I know it, and there's a difference. Well, and I've talked about this on several of my of my podcasts, is that um, one is that, you know, PTSD is, um, can actually uh, result out of being a victim, and PTSD can lead, lead to be living in victimhood. Mm-hmm. And when you're in victimhood, it controls your entire life. It doesn't allow you, you give up control of yourself willingly. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, um, deci- there's like cost and benefits to, to that. And, um, there can be times that you make decisions that you think will be of benefit to you that winds up being of cost because you keep making decisions that are right. costly, right. that, um, you think you're just avoiding something over here, um, and um, you may be able to avoid it for a little bit, but it's going to come back around. It's going to manifest itself. Yes. And you know, there, when I was told I could no longer dance again, that was clearly what defined me. And I spiraled out of control. I did not get addicted to drugs or drinking, but... I couldn't focus in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do I do? What, like, and I bounced around with school and I, you know, was not in any way, shape or form fun to, to live with. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was, um, you know, I was argumentative. Uh, I didn't want to listen to what anybody had to say. And, when I wound up meeting my ex-husband, he filled a void of what it is that I was missing. And I, it made it seem like there was some, that it was something that it wasn't. Yeah. Because. We banned it a lot. We, you, PTSD you, when you find whatever that situation is mm-hmm. to fill that spot that you have not taken care of. Um, you can defend it to, to the cows go home mm-hmm. and you can come up with a million different arguments and stuff as to why you should be in whatever that situation is. Um, but I will guarantee you that as time continues, that, um, there will be a huge cost that you pay for that decision to continue to stay in that situation yes. that you're using to fill what that void is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I definitely, um, you know, as much as, you know, I had two beautiful human beings come out of that situation. Um, but you know, they paid the price too. Mm-hmm. 
because they had to deal with that environment. Mm -hmm. You know, they have had to, you know, deal with that person themselves in their own ways and stuff. And, um, so it just, it just keeps creating, it it keeps creating this. It's like, it's like creating, it's like having a snowball and rolling it down the hill. And as, as it continues to go, it it builds and it, and it picks up momentum. Yeah. And, um, and so being a child of a PTSD victim, a Vietnam War vet, uh, for a long time did I blame my father for how I was raised. And it wasn't until uh, in recent years, in this past decade, that like somebody had brought it to my attention. I miraculous it's just weird I don't believe in coincidences okay I just do not believe in coincidences but I was at this um, convention waiting for a friend really just to get out of their meeting so that we could go have lunch and I was just (laughs) waiting there and while I was waiting my friend comes out to me and he's just like hey there's something going on here Um, I'm gonna be a little while why don't you just like mosey around and I don't even remember what type of a convention it was it was heavily based on military and I went from one booth to another and I was talking to this lady and she's the one who told me she's just like and and this is like about a decade ago she's the one who told me she's just like well if your father was a Vietnam War vet imagine if you weren't able to express yourself for several decades until recently did anybody know how to address PTSD and imagine that suppression, like two, three, four decades of suppression yeah. and what that can do to a person. And, and, and then that person raising children with that, not knowing, and they're just doing the best that they can. Right. So having that conversation created um, not forgiveness for my dad but understanding and compassion and then I realized that I had been blaming him for so many years for you know how he had raised me and my sister and and now it's like wait a second he just did the best right he did the best that he could with what he had and I made him wrong for that and and I've recently, very, very recently, had spoken to him about this. I'm like, Dad, I want to let you know that I love you and I, I'm, I appreciate you so much for everything that you did for me and my sister. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry of how horrible of... I have a lot of teen karma to pay back with my child I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to <laughs> yes. it now but yes. I'm like I, I really did appreciate you know all that he had done for me with what he had and 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 I'm really really lucky because my dad is still with us today and that's another thing about and I, I don't I'm sorry I'm, I keep going back to um, you know Vietnam vets but um, they are a huge part of the community that I serve and I don't know if people realize this or not, but the amount of Vietnam vets that we actually lost in the war zone versus how many we had lost here on the homeland to suicide is by three times. Yeah. Like, how sad is that? Like, think about that. There's this huge war, and you lose all of these soldiers to the war, and then after they had come back, 
three times that amount lose their life to suicide. Yep. It's very telling. So that is a huge, huge reason why, and I should put this on my website. I, I have it written down in my notebook. It's going on the website soon, I promise. But um, <laughs> really my mission is to lower the suicide rate in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you were talking about earlier, it's a lot of people aren't able to afford the care that they need and unfortunately a lot of the care that's out there doesn't really do anything for anyone well you know this is something too that i'd i'd like to kind of go down this road just for 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 a couple minutes is that um you know we are in a society of where social media is such is is um woven into our everyday and plays such a huge role in things that we do with our businesses or our personal life. And with the impact, um, the ones who are kind of, I'd like to say, at the forefront of the social media is our children. Mm -hmm. And um, people do not realize that um, our kids are because of things that are said or done on social media, creating PTSD mm-hmm. events for our children. Yes, and we are having an alarming rate when we see on the news that a nine and ten year old kills themselves because of the bullying that is going on in social media. There's th- this is a huge, huge new problem. Yes, it is. That um, we haven't even, I, I don't even think we've scratched even a little bit of the surface. Um, and quite honestly, uh, because it is out on the internet and stuff, mm-hmm. um, the ability for us to find any way, shape, or form to have any kind of control over it. I, 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 I don't it's know how we're difficult. ever going to um, have that. You know, you can try to do your best as a parent at home and stuff, but you can only shield them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these kids leave our homes and they go to school, and they have friends who have phones. Um, and on top of it, if something's put on social media and then they walk into school and they haven't seen what's on there and as parents we haven't seen maybe Mm -hmm. what's been put on there of our children and stuff, then all of a sudden um, we have no way to try to like uh, be proactive and interrupt what is going on because once they go to school and kids say things about them, feel they feel uncomfortable, they've been told something's been put on there and stuff, um, the chances of them coming home and say something to you are slim to none. Yeah. They keep it all inside and stuff, and that's why it's so important is that if you know of anyone, our children or anyone in general who has been through some horrific thing, is do not ask them yes and no questions. You need to ask them open-ended questions. Yes. That starts conversations. I can't express that enough is that it is so, so important that I I do this in my support groups. I do this in my workshops. um, I do this with families who, who deal with loved ones who are in, have Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff. You have to ask open-ended questions because 
it leads to conversation that things are said that gives you keys as to what is going on with them. And then it is at that point that there is the possibility of finding some kind of help for them. Yes. You know, if you ask yes yes or no questions, it it doesn't lead to anything. It leads them just saying yes or no and walking away from you or changing the conversation, which they won't allow you to come back to. So you have to be very creative in what it is that you you know what their interests are. You know what kind of schedule they normally keep. You know, you know, if they um you know, if they're kids, you know what what they do on a day to day when they're in class. You know, do they have art class? Do they have music? Did they have gym? Mm-hmm. You know, at knowing what their schedule is, has that changed in any way, shape or form of what they're participating in? Yep. You know, if it's a if it's an adult, you know, do they normally you know, um, get involved in hobbies. Is there certain hobbies? Have they gotten, you know, asking opening questions, what's going on with their hobbies and stuff, if they're involved in a club or stuff like that. If they're not going to those things anymore, that is a sign that there is something going on. There are things that we can interact to give us the ability to find out if somebody is suffering in silence. Yes. That we can find a way and... You know, I think sometimes we're so busy as a society, our schedules are so busy and stuff that sometimes we forget to take a moment. Yes. To Um. try to, you know, see that somebody is suffering. Um, And, um, you know, I, I can, we can all appreciate our busy schedules. We can all appreciate that, you know, we, how many times have you found yourself saying, how can I find more hours in a day and stuff? You know, I sleep less. <laughs> yeah. how, how can I function on less sleep? How can I still be the yeah. person I need to be on like four or five hours of sleep? How can I do all these things? Um, I, that's, everyone's going, going through that. We can all understand each other's, you know, yes. complaints when those things are, are brought up. But we're losing a lot of people. Yes. We're mm, watching we're watching marriages fall apart. Mm-hmm. We are watching relationships fall apart. We are watching families fall apart. Um, there is an ability to try to keep some of those intact. Yes. Some absolutely. need some need to be separated, but some can some have the capability of being kept intact. Yes. And that's because somebody has taken a moment. It doesn't have to take long. Mm-mm. And it doesn't take long to reach out and make a phone call. It doesn't take long to reach out. We, we all know people that do different things, or we know somebody who knows somebody that we can reach out to to try to help that other person yes. to make the connection, to start that ball rolling. Because just as when that snowball's made and it starts rolling, it gets bigger and it picks up speed from a destructive standpoint. Mm-hmm. It can work the same way in helping. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I truly do believe that. Yeah. And uh, just to add to that, not only ask your kids questions or your friends um, or your coworkers or your family, relatives, etc. not just ask them yes or no, but not, sorry, not only ask them open-ended questions, but also really be present with them 
And, um, and I think that you may have sensed that when you and I were working together mm -hmm. that day. It's not a matter of just asking questions. And again, I don't ask a lot of questions when I do my healing services she doesn't. at she all. Doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> I don't ask questions hardly at all. But what I do do is I'm being present. Now, when I'm asking my daughter questions, because she did do a, a school change this past year, I ask her questions and I'm there with her and I create a safe space for her meaning I don't make her wrong for any of the questions the answers that she gives me whatever it is that she wants to express to me I allow her and I tell her it's okay it's okay that she feels the way that she feels it's okay that it hurts it's okay and no it's not okay that it hurts but you don't want to make her wrong you don't want to make anyone right. wrong for having the feelings that they're having and that's a, another one of those things especially coming out of the 50s and whatnot where everybody was leave it to beaver you know yes. those type families where everything's a happy front and that's the generation that we're coming out of right now you know those are the parents of today right now um you know in their 50s and 60s they were very much you know hold that strong front and you don't you don't cry in front of people you hold it together you make it look like you're it's, holding it it's together family business yeah exactly yeah and you don't air your dirty mm -hmm. laundry kind of a thing well I'm here to tell you um, I'm not gonna air your dirty laundry because I'm not asking you for it however I am saying please do address it it's okay you can still look like you have it all together right and I'm not gonna make you wrong about that either but what I am saying is, regardless of who you're talking to, um, everybody is going through something. I don't care who you are. And I'm not saying that everybody's a basket case. That's not what I'm saying either. What I am saying is, everyone is going through something. And to make a connection with people as a human being, I'm a human being, you're a human being. I'm talking into a camera, but I am telling you, you are a human being. And it's okay to have feelings there's nothing wrong with that and it's okay for anybody that you talk to to have feelings and there's nothing wrong with that either and that is a big huge part of what's going on with social media is it's creating that disconnect between humans right. and it's sad and we're it we are actually there have been studies that show that the disconnection is creating a lot more depression in our society now yes. so it's very 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 important that we reach out and even if it's on the phone or even text message just be present with that person whoever it is because a lot of times, nine times out of ten, if somebody's reacting to you in some sort of outlandish way, there's a good chance that they got something going on. Yep. And it has, so don't, uh, you know, the four agreements, don't take it personally. A lot of times people are taking things personally that they really ought not to because it's not about them. It's about something else. Right. And it, it, it ah, this is why I believe in what it is that I believe in. You know what I mean? And, um... And again, not believe, but know. I know that what it is that I do works. And it's not just the meditation portion of it. And it's not just the body aspects and 
releasing of the body tissues that I'm talking about. It's also the human interaction. It's also the human connection that I create. Even And a lot of my clients are out of state. I connect with them um, by Skype and I talk to them this way. And then when I do do the meditation, I have them take it off of Skype and we're just on the phone or we're on the audio with Skype. So it, I'd love to connect with you. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, the redefining PTSD. Yes. You help people find their voice again. Yes. They find their find their voice and find their peace, um, and those are the things that when you suffer in silence that you give up. Mm-hmm. You get you give up your power. You give up your voice. You give up your peace inside of you. And you suffer in silence. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I always talk about is that um, the biggest key to growth uh, is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to be vulnerable because if you're, the, it is a misconception that if you're vulnerable, there must be something wrong with you. But embracing what it is that you have been through yes. actually gives you more power yes. than you can believe. If you start embracing what it is that you have been through, you allow yourself to become stronger. Yes. You allow yourself to have a voice. You know, I, uh, for years, used to feel um, uneasy about the amount of ad- adversities that I'd been through and stuff. And when I turned that around and I embraced it and said, you know what? You're right. In people, because people would say, oh my gosh, like, it's unbelievable. Like, how many different things you've been through and stuff like that. And I would always be like, yeah, I know. You know, and I would feel like I I had to come up with some kind of comment or something that would justify or make them okay. Like, it was somehow it was my job to make them okay with the information they now had. And when I embraced it, I no longer owed anybody anything. Mm-hmm. I took it for myself mm-hmm. and said, you're right, I have been through a lot, but these are the things that I'm, you know what, let me show you how you can change your life and do things differently as a shortcut so you don't have to go down through those paths yes. and stuff. Um, you know, and so... It, it gives me my voice again. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives me the power to do the things I want to do and do the things I want to accomplish. There's a quote that I had found is that, you know, is that when you stumble over a rock, it doesn't mean that the journey's over. No. What it means is that you stumble over the rock and then you get back up and you go, this is what I've learned and then you get to start the new day on this new path and go, this is a new journey. You know why it's a new journey? Because you have information you didn't have before. And so what it is that you're going to do is going to be different. And you could do it to redefine yourself. Yes. The only reason why I'm laughing is because that's very similar to, like, almost verbatim of what I had placed in your meditation. <laughs> 
So I'm like, that's, that's why I'm laughing. I'm just like, yes. yep, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. And wasn't it funny? Like, I asked you the next the next morning. I was just like, so how are you feeling? And you're just like, I'm ready to take my power back. I'm like, that's yes. funny because that was a huge focus of your meditation. Yes. So, <laughs> so it works. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you, if you are suffering, if you know someone who's suffering, um, you need to reach out to Emma. Emma will be able to help you. And if there's other things you need on top of what she's doing, she will I'll be able to help you with the resources yes. to reach out to those different areas that you need and mm-hmm. stuff. But this is this is a great place to be is with redirect redefining PTSD. Um, it is um, up on the screen too is uh, redefiningptsd.com you can find all the contact information for Emma. We will also have it up on the uh, website when it's downloaded. Mm -hmm. So you will be able to find all the information that you need for Emma. Um, But it is on the logo on the screen too. So please, 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 um, if you are experiencing anything at all whatsoever, please reach out to Emma. She she wants nothing more. Her whole focus, her whole goal in life is to just help others yes. um, through this process and stuff. And I'm going to tell you that um, for personal experience, it, that it works. It is so helpful. It will bring, you know, sometimes you, you know, it, it's not a one-time fix-all. No, it's not. You know, it's a process. But you know what? Every time you do it, it's going to bring you peace and more peace and more peace and more peace. And eventually you'll get to that spot where you can go, you know what? I don't feel that anymore. You've let it go. And you will know that because you will find that person that coming to life that the qualities that you used to have or you want to engage in life again. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to just thank you for everybody that you, has been with you and that will be with you for doing what you're doing because this is an important thing to be dealt with. This is an important conversation that we need to be having because uh, we are losing way too many people and too many lives and too many families are being destroyed because of this. So let's let's start the let's start the journey of yes. helping yourself or helping someone else you know and getting them where where they can go. So I want to thank you so much. You're welcome. For being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you have any questions or anything else, please feel free to put it in the comments and stuff. Um, either I will address them, I will get them to Emma, and Emma will, will reach out to you. So we will make sure that, that you get the information that you need or the connections that you need and stuff. And wherever you are in your day, uh, I hope that um, it is a good one and that you take time for you. Take a couple minutes for yourself. And as I always say is that there are goals and there's goals that we have. Imagine what we can accomplish if we just get out of our own way. So thank you. Thank you. All right. And I look forward to seeing all of you um, again. Uh, I do have uh, workshops uh, coming up. So please go to uh, my website and the information is out there. And then uh, to always keep uh, you know this podcast going, I do have a patron page uh, that is uh, www.patron.com 
uh, forward slash holistic living health and wellness. So we always appreciate your support. So take care and look forward to seeing you again.